The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. All right, y'all. right, y'all. Everybody, welcome. Welcome to The Working Artist Project. Today is December 14th, 2020, and we deep in Arona, huh, Greg? I can't believe it's already December 14th. That's like, it seems like yesterday we got shut down. I know. <laughs> we were closed for business. Just yesterday. Oh, I forgot. Hey, listen, for people who don't know, that's Gregory Aji, my fearless co-host. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? <laughs> and tonight, man, we have a very special guest. I, I know I say that every week, but this time I, I really, really mean it. Last time I kind of meant it, but this week I really, really mean it. The one and only Jasmia Horn. And uh, she she's amazing, y'all. Y'all gonna love her. I met Jazz years ago. This is I'm old, y'all. I met her. You know, I met her at where'd you meet her? At the New School. You, you met her at New School? Yeah, bro. I was hanging out at the New School. I was about to say you went to New School. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> and she was in school there, and her Brianna Thomas, I think John Thomas. It was a bunch of people that I know were at school there oh, that's at, awesome. at the time. Yeah, Lessie. I think Lessie was going to school there. Maybe a few years later, but anyway, that's how we met and we became fast friends and we've played a bunch together over the years in, in a lot of different situations. And I, I had the privilege of playing with her and her band uh, for many, many gigs. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to have her on here today to talk about her new book, her new record and surviving Corona. Surviving Corona. It sounds like a <laughs> horror movie coming 2021. <laughs> So uh, why don't we bring Jazz on, and we'll we'll get this party started. Jazz, what's up? Hi. <laughs> what's up, Jasmia? How are you? Hey, hey, hey. Everything is well. Oh, man. How are y'all doing? I'm. I am great. I'm doing great. I'm having a day like you were. You you said you were having earlier. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity to to sit down, decompress, absolutely. talk a little bit, shoot the shit, and see what happens. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I want to start. I want to start at the roots down south. Oh, they're called, it's called the, the roots. The, the roots. roots the roots. Get down to the roots. <laughs> <laughs> you you are originally from Texas, right? Yes, from and, Dallas. From Dallas, Texas. Yep. That's what's up. And you tell this great story in your book at the beginning of the book about your grandmother. And, and your mother, your grandfather, everybody, your cousins, everybody's in the story. And uh, what was that like growing up in the South and, and learning to sing and being exposed to the music? Hmm. It was, it was amazing. But at the time, I didn't really know that it was amazing, you know? Um, I, I hated it, you know? I was like, why do I have to go to church every, every day? You know, it was church every doggone day. Monday was prayer meeting, Tuesday was choir rehearsal, Wednesday was Bible study, Thursday was usher board meeting, Friday was something. There was something happening at the church. And then it's a family's church. It's a, my family's church. So on, on Saturdays to keep the children like in the community out of trouble, 
they would have uh, what we call worker Saturday. So the women would go into the kitchen and learn how to cook or maybe learn how to sew and do things like that with the older women in the community. And then the boys would go outside and wash cars and learn about car parts, you know, how to change a tire and alternator. And most of the time I was outside with the boys when I should not have been. But I was <laughs> like, I want to learn about a car. I want to understand the parts, a muffler and, you know, how to repair the starter. I want to learn this too. So, um, you know, that was kind of like my upbringing, but it was a very eclectic church. You know, they taught us about African-American history and why that was important, you know, for vacation Bible school, instead of us like going on these lavishing vacation, you know, vacations, we just went to like um, Motown and, and checked out, you know, the, the different things that were there to check out. And, and we went to the, the church of in Alabama where they bombed the, the four little girls and you know, where it went to where Dr. King was shot. You know, we stayed in the South, but we went to like very historical places. So I, I really appreciate my upbringing in, in, in a church. And then not only that, it was so musical. You know, my mom sang in the choir, my dad played drums. Um, my grandmother played organ piano and was the first lady. And my granddaddy um, played guitar and he preached. So, and my aunts played piano and organ and it, everybody was involved in the church in some kind of way. And, and my granddaddy made sure like, once y'all are able to talk and walk, you guys are going to do something in this church, whether it's pass out Bibles or hymnals or fans, y'all going to do something. And I hated it. I hated it so much. <laughs> it was so much church. And I was just like, what is this? But Honestly, it taught me discipline and taught me to have a reverence for, for the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and also for music, you know, which is still my passion. Um, so, you know, I'm very appreciative. There was music all the time. Like during this time around the holiday season, we'd be in the kitchen cooking together and harmonizing and singing. And, you know, we didn't really watch the games too much. It was mostly about music in my family. Somebody picked up a tamarind and we would just go to go to church at home, you know. So, you know. I hated it, but I loved it. You know, it's almost like a, a hate love relationship that I have with New York. I love it because it's very exciting, but after a while, you know, it gets annoying. It gets it gets to be too, too much sometimes. So it was yeah. it was a beautiful experience to say the least. Everything about that reminded me of my upbringing, man. Christmas cantatas, <laughs> like man, we gotta go to church on Halloween. Like damn, yes. like shit. <laughs> I hope my mom is watching this too, but. <laughs> But, you know, it, it really keeps you out of trouble and it keeps you focused, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it brings you closer to, to God and closer to the music in a diff, in a way that a lot of people, when you go to school, you're like, oh, OK, yeah, you you ain't you ain't you don't really know about <laughs> <laughs> about this other thing. Yeah, it's also like such a strong sense of community, too. You know, it's you know that I, I, I wasn't necessarily brought up in that that upbringing, but, you know, a lot of my friends were and, and I always envied the community that my peers grew up with here in New Orleans. And, and that's, I think that's such a, a beautiful part of the ch- church experience. Did you, but you said you kind of on the fence about church, but w- did you always love music or were you on the fence about music at first too? Um, I was, I was never on the fence about church. I just hated going because I started going like when, I, by the time I was three, I was singing in the choir. So when he said, when you can walk and talk, you have to do something in the church. As a child, you know, you're just annoyed. You're like, why do I have to do this? I want to go outside and play like normal kids. Or, you know, I want to want to go to the movies as a teenager and, and stay and not have to be chaperoned. Like, I don't, you know, it was, church was every, every aspect of my life included church. So it kind of got annoying to me, 
you know, as, as before I was a teenager. As I grew up, I started to like really have an appreciation for it, and especially music because in a, in a lot of the schools that I was, you know, we my mom was a single mom. So we were going back and forth through um, school, elementary school. I think I went to like five different elementary schools. But, um, you know, I, I always joined the choir and like immediately nobody had to say, sit up straight, enunciate your words, you know, um, believe in what you're singing, you know, because I was taught, you know, you have to believe what you're singing. You have to sing it like this is the first time that the people in the congregation are hearing it because you may be bringing joy or light to somebody. You may be uplifting someone you never know. Um, and so for me, I just that kind of transformed into mind body spirit connection that I have with the spirit or with the divine today. You know, I still have this great reverence for the presence of, of the universe and, and, and God's being, you know, in whatever form that is, whether it be nature, whether whatever. And so, um, you know, that I kind of have a different appreciation than a lot of my peers for this music. And that's what really kind of set me apart when it comes to, where I am in my music and in the industry and, and why I write music the way that I do. And, you know, it just, it's a part, it's a huge part of my personality and characteristics. I'm actually grateful, but you know, at one point I really, I really hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. When you made the trip from, from Texas to New York, was it, was it a culture shock or what did you just slide? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was so lost. <laughs> I was so lost, man. I was just like, what, where am I? What is this? You know, I remember it was like August of 20 or 2009. And I, I, you know, I got out the cab from the airport and I'm paying the guy and everything. And instead of me going to the dorms, I went straight to the school. Cause you know, in Texas, in the South, and even, even places outside of New York, you know, that are, that are on the East coast, um, the schools are all one part. You know, it's not like your class, your first period class is on 34th Street, your fourth period class is on 15th Street, you know, in various buildings. It's not like that, especially in the South where everything is just big and, and widespread. So for me, it was just a, it was a mind screw. I just, I was like, okay, so I have to go to class over here and I have to go to the dorms over here. Man, I just, and I, it was so much walking, you know, <laughs> it was so much walking. I. 10 blocks was too much for me. You know what I mean? Because we drive everywhere in the South. 10 blocks, I got to walk 10 blocks to school every day. You know, that was that was too much for me. And then the, the fact that I could like walk 10 blocks and be in Chinatown and walk 10 more blocks and, and be in Little Italy and walk another 10 blocks and be in Africa, like, you know, it was just, it was so weird to me to have all of this culture and all of these different people in this different atmosphere. I wasn't ready for it. Um, I got ready quickly, but I really wasn't, man, I was not ready. Mm-hmm. You, you mean living in Texas didn't prepare you for that? Cause like you walk, no. walk in five hours in Texas, you still in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Shit, I wasn't walking. I was driving. I got my I got my permit at 14 years old. I started legally driving when I was 12. Um, my grandfather made me drive the church van and pick up the old people, you know, the elders of the community and 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 drive the tractor on his land. I had to learn how to cut grass. So I learned to drive fairly early. So I wasn't walking anywhere. There was no walking at all. So 10 blocks was 
like, you know, walking from 110th to 20th street for me, that was too much, just 10 blocks, you know? I love, sorry, I was gonna say, it's always funny when I meet cats from New York who actually grew up in the city and they're like 25, 26 and never driven yeah. in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about that. I mean, the experience of the South is just so different than the city. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Man, I'm just here thinking like you're a multi-Grammy nominated artist, right? Woo, woo. Hey, so right. Come on, lay in Thank that for you. a minute. People, <laughs> people might look at you and say, you know what? It was easy for Jazz. Like Jazz just came and bam, she was on. They don't, maybe they don't know about the stuff that happened before that. And like, how did, how did you... Pers- how you persevered to in and had a plan. Like in your book, you mentioned like you had a, a vision and a focus for yourself and, and you had a plan to get there. I'm just curious, like how, how did you have that motivation to to continue through the New York jazz hustle? Hmm. Um, well, my parents, I'll go back to the beginning. My parents didn't have enough money to get me here. And I, you know, I, I had joined the, when I went, I was going to a performing arts high school and the teachers were like, you need to enter into IAJE, which doesn't exist anymore. And the Grammy jazz ensembles and um, young arts, you know, or the Betty Carter jazz ahead program. There were so many arts programs that they had told me about. And um, the one that was most prevalent to me because I was in high school was the Grammy jazz Academy. And, um, you know, they, they do like Grammy in the schools for high school students. And you just have to send in a tape and you have to be able to read music and all these different things. And I wanted to be in the Grammy jazz ensembles. I wanted to sing with the big band and, you know, sing with the choral choir. And so I did. And then, you know, that was my very first time like leaving the nest without my family. And this was also my first time experiencing children or not even children. We were still children at the time. I was 17. So, you know, this was my first time really experiencing people my age who were like cultivated in the music in a different way. Like, I didn't know anything about theory and harmony and improvisation. I just knew what I what I was raised on in the church. You know, I didn't know how to read music or any of that. And so my approach was a little bit different. So I was meeting these kids who had been studying with Ralph Peterson and Jeff Tane Watts and, and, and Dee Dee and so many people, people that I ain't even... I had never, never even heard of. And I was like, well, how did you get access to these people? And how much did that cost? And all my parents kept saying was, no, we don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have it. You're not going. So since my granddaddy was the owner of the church, I said, Papa, I need to, I need to borrow the church. He said, what do you mean borrow the church? You know, and at the time I was 17. So I, I wanted to rent the church out to have a benefit concert for myself. And he was like, well, nobody's going to come. I was like, yeah, but at least, you know, just let me try. He's like, well, what are you benefiting? And I said, I want to go to New York. You know, I got a scholarship to go to the new school and I don't even have the money. Y'all don't have the money to get me there. You don't have the money for an airplane. You don't have the money for the dorms, nothing. Let me just raise money and see what I could come up with. And so he said, okay. He said, all right, but here's what you have to do. Half of everything that you own has to go to me so I can pay the lights and stuff for the church. I said, okay, no problem. So I sat with my best friend, Francesca, and we decided on like how much we were going to charge for the tickets, you know, um, what kind of food we were going to serve the people or what kind of what style we wanted for, you know, was it going to be a banquet? Was it going to be a party? Um, And this is like how this was the first time that I understood 
kind of like what club owners go through when they book artists and when, you know, it was management for me, managing my own um, concert. And so what musicians I was going to hire, how I was going to pay them, where I was going to get the money from to hire and pay them, all of that. Who was going to work security because my grandfather's church was in the hood and I wanted people from all walks of life to feel comfortable parking their cars in the hood. So we had to figure out all of those logistics, all of those things. And I figured it out, you know, and this was the first thing that I did as a 17 year old that showed my parents and my family like, hey. I'm, I'm an adult, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm leaning towards woman, my womanhood. And so at that concert, I had my mother and my aunts cook and bake and, you know, we raised money and people donated and we raised about $6,000. And my entire family, nobody could believe it. Like nobody could believe it. They were just like, how did you, how, what do I, you know, like, how do I do this, you know, for myself? And, um, and they, and nobody stopped me, you know, nobody stopped me. Nobody said, okay, you know, we were scared. We were scared for you. Everybody said, well, you did something that we've never done that we never thought was imaginable. And my granddaddy said, I'm not even going to take half the money. Like I can't at this point, because I really said yes to you because I thought you were not going to do it. I said yes to you out of spite. I didn't say yes, because I, I wanted you to succeed. I just knew it wasn't going to happen. So that energy alone gave me so much power and so much confidence to move to New York, that alone. So when I got here, I was, like I said, the culture shock, but also like I was a big fish in a little pond back home. When I came here, there were so many killing singers on the scene that I couldn't even get a gig anywhere, like nowhere. Like nobody would hire me. Um, I didn't really know how to write out my own charts. I didn't know how to hire a band and what that entailed. I didn't have the money to hire a band if the gig wasn't paying enough. Like it just, there was so many things that I needed to learn. And uh, one day I was at a jam session and I saw Winard, Winard Harper. Actually, I saw his brother-in-law, Bernard Lynette. And um, he said, what's your name? And I told him and then he laughed. He was like, yeah, but what's your name? Like, he said, okay, okay, Miss Horn. You know, it was a joke. It's always a joke for everybody when I tell them my name is Jasmia, like by birth. And so he was like, all right, Miss Horn. So you play a horn. And I said, no, I sing. So I sang. And then the next week he said, I want you to come here the same time next week. And the next week, Winard was playing. And um, he said, he he introduced me to Winard. He said, Winard, this is Jasmia. And then he was like, Jasmia, huh? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. Let's see what you got, what you, what you got. And I didn't know that that meant what tune would you like to play? You know, I'm learning everything, the lingo, the style. It's, it's, it's very masculine and male dominated. So there's no women I can go to and say, girl, what is he talking about? That's, that's not, that's like not happening, right? So I'm there and he's like, what you got? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. He's like, well, call a tune. So I call a tune. He's like, well, what key do you want to play it in? And I didn't think about that. I'm like, oh. I have to know which key I want to play it in, you know? There's so many different things. I'm like, all right, cool. So I call the keys, like, well, well, what tempo do you want to play it in? And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to tell him what tempo? I, this is so, it was so weird to me. But all of that experience led to me today, who I am today, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
nobody has to tell me when I get on the stage, I'm owning it immediately. I already, I'm focused on what I want to give the message that I want to give to the people, but also the direction that I want to give to the band and not just with this sound here, but with the sound of my voice as the instrument versus, Oh, well, I'm just going to be this cute little girl on the stage and sing these little cute lyrics and develop this sound. It's like, no, like I had to learn Roy Hargrove schooled my ass one day, man. I was at Smalls. No, I was at Fat Cat singing um, The Nearness of You. And I got up there and didn't know the, the lyrics. And he looked at me and moved me out the way and started playing. And I was like, I forgot. I forgot the lyrics. You know, and I came back in on the head out. And he was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, and I was so embarrassed. And I went in the bathroom and I cried. And when I came out, he was standing right there. And he was like, you did good, but this music is, I mean, you know, you got to really know the music. Do you know the verse to that song? You know, that's a nice key for you, but do you know the changes? And I was like, changes? Change what? What does that even mean? You know, there was so much. There was so much that I had to learn that I didn't even understand or, or care to understand because, you know, I was taught something different at home. And and in, in Dallas, the jazz legacy is is beautiful and big, but it's completely different. You know, it's not like how it is in New York. You know, there's not as many cats in, in the older heads are not really, you know, um, sharing the tradition as much as they are here. You know, you could go to a session and hear Wallace Rooney or Jimmy Heath or Roy Hargrove. They go out and hang out. You don't get the same thing in Dallas. So nobody really helps me to understand the legacy of the tradition. Um, and so nowadays I'm, I just, I'm really grateful to be in this position that I am now that I could just call up somebody and say, Hey, well, what did you, you know, Didi Bridgewater is my biggest inspiration because she's a black woman because she has children and she raised her children in this music and is still consistently being a mother. Cause you never stop being a mother. And she's been through all of this adversity that she's been through writing charts and, and, and putting together arrangements and bands and going in and out of management and all of it i mean this is not a an easy it's not an easy journey especially for a woman because it's so male dominated it's so masculine so i'm just i'm happy and grateful even though we're in a pandemic it's it's like there's so much to steal i have so much to learn and i'm 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 still that that child still soaking up all of that um from from when i first moved to new york absolutely. in the same way absolutely and, you know, if, if, if y'all don't know, y'all just getting in here, we're talking about Jazz's book, Strive From Within. And she just told a great story to let us know that she always been been on it. She started from the bottom. Now we're here. Multi. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful to, to have a, an opportunity to, like, listen to you tell, like, you know, your story from your perspective and things like that. Like, you know, again, this is the first time we've, we've met, you and I have met. And... You know, I'm an outsider watching you from a third person perspective, just catching what I see on YouTube and, and on, you know, downbeat.com and, and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I just, I love hearing like your experience at the church and your experiences of like making things happen because not only are, you know, do you have a, a beautiful gift, but you, you have this great mentality of making things happen. And, I, can't, I have to say that's that's a conversation Darian and I are always having, and mm. I think Darian told me the other day is like, man, you know, <laughs> we get along because we know no one's gonna do shit for us. <laughs> 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 and so it's it's so it's so man, I I really appreciate hearing you 
um, tell that story in that way. Um, but I, I really, I, if if you wouldn't mind, you were talking about the the jazz scene being so masculine, um, de- dominated by masculine energy, and I was just maybe curious, as as um, as a woman and a very powerful woman in the scene, Thank you. like what what can what can men do to, like what do we need to know that we just don't know about about creating more space and 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 room for other people you know like again like opening the door for i don't know i don't i don't like the term opening the door but like being receptive to allowing feminine energy on the bandstand like from a woman being on the bandstand and also like interacting like amongst men with more of that energy Hmm. that was that's a beautiful question gregory i thank you um i would just say be aware of your surroundings i feel that um, the assumption or the preconceived notion is there that this is a woman and and because of society and the way this society is set up in general, it's like I see this person that is either a sex item or a trophy item and not a musician, right? And that's a problem. That is a huge problem. A lot of the times for me in particular, you know, I would say I'm a musician. And until I open my mouth, he's looking at my lips and my ass, you know, until I open my, my mouth and I'm like, all right, this is where I want it. He's like, oh, okay. All right. Like this is a musician. The respect doesn't come until I open my mouth because of how I look, you know, and that used to offend me, but it doesn't anymore because I understand society. It's still offensive, but I don't take as much offense, you know, hurt people, hurt people, or you can only do what you know to do. And if you're taught especially if we have, you know, a president in the Oval Office, somebody who is literally not being an example of how men should be to other women. You don't know that, you know? It's like if if your parents never taught you and then you look at the media and they're telling you to do one thing, that's what you're going to do. Unless you have a mind of your own and you sit with a woman and say, how does this, you know, like you just asked, how does this make you feel? How can I, you know? So I think the first place to start is like with the university. You know, the university teaches us in a way to where it's like, oh, well, we're just going to teach you as if you have frets and valves and buttons and keys to play. Mm. We're not going to, we're going to isolate you or we're going to put you in here in the fast lane. You go from like a short bus and a remedial class to a jet, a private jet. You know what I'm saying? It's like going from basic math to trigonometry immediately. You know, there is no in between. So a lot of vocalists have holes in their learning. And so you know what I'm saying? If there's a vocalist that you see that perhaps any any musician that's a woman, you know, that you see that um, or that identifies as a woman that is like, you know, has an issue with a specific thing or plays some changes in a certain way, if they're open to it, because some people are just real cocky and they don't want they don't want anyone to say anything to them. But but take an approach of like, hey you know, I I got the chart for this song and I just wanted to see if you would perhaps know the melody or you wanted to go over the melody. Let's have a session, you know, and be open to that. I mean, we're in the middle of COVID right now, so I don't know how, you know, how that's going to work. But, you know, you could reach out to somebody on Zoom or or if you see somebody in a session, don't just step on them or step over them or make them feel unwelcome because they don't necessarily, you know, know the changes. There's a time and a place for everything. But also, I mean, even even having said that, I just I don't see that ever changing. You know, I don't see I don't really see 
women being able to go into a session and feel comfortable. I just, I just don't see it. Um, but I would have liked to have been asked what I would like to play. I mean, I, I, people ask me that now because of who I am, but in the beginning I would have, you know, what tune would you like to play? You know, if you, if you see a vocalist standing there, I mean, and, and, and sometimes it, I don't want to put it all on the men because you know, the school doesn't teach us what we really need to be learning, you know, because really they don't damn know themselves. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everything is theory and harmony and classical music. Jazz is not, it's not of the classical tradition. So it's yeah. going to be a completely, I feel like a lot of the universities don't have um, like a reverence or an appreciation for the black culture and the black community, you know? So like they'll go to church, but it'll just be for like a little, you know, to like to like for for example, Abyssinian Baptist Church. Have you guys ever been there? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who come from like Europe and they just do tours. You know, like they'll pay the church so that they can do the tour and just watch the church service. But nobody is like actually, who like especially musicians. You don't actually see them going into the church to actually learn or going into the black neighborhoods to actually learn you know, or, or any, anybody for that matter, unless they like right now trying to get vaccines or, or do something that's not going to be productive for the community. It's like, in order to be a classical musician, you got to go to a white school and learn Hmm. in order to be a jazz musician. You still got to go to a white school and learn. Nobody's going to my Hmm. community. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's. So there, I think there are a lot of problems that I don't think one person in particular can fix. I don't think it's, it has to be a collective, you know, it's not going to be like, a, oh, Dr. King has a dream or Dr. Malcolm X or Dr. Kwame Ture or Dr. Layla Africa has. No, it's, it has to be a collective consciousness. It has to be a collective thing that we do together as a people, as both men and women. And in between, it has to be we have to come together with it. So I don't think it's something that you you know what I'm saying, like that you can do or one particular person can do per se. Um, I, I would say like for yourself, you just have to like focus on your compassion and who you are as an individual and how you might be able to be giving and how you might be able to serve, you know, a person who, and and it doesn't have to be a man or a woman because there are a lot of men who also don't know changes to songs. And, you know, I think that the approach of, it's just, it's just a very, it's a very interesting conversation. We can talk about this for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and it's a really important conversation it to is. have too, you know, from especially like from the dynamic of sex versus also the dynamic of race too, like which you you kind of hinted at a little bit, and and that's that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but e- equally important in the context of what we do. Absolutely, I want to yeah. I want to switch gears because I I do want the people to have an opportunity to hear you and you have a brand new record out and it's called it's not really a record it's a double single double single it's on vinyl <laughs> brand new double single y'all all gotta go out I there and it. buy double it single. yeah it's called where we are it's on vinyl you can get it um coming up here pretty soon uh december 24th right and you got a show just for that that's yep. gonna be live streaming and if you're on facebook i just pinned it in the chat and uh if you're in it or YouTube or Twitch, wherever you're watching this right now, you can see it. And I want y'all all to go out there and buy 20 tickets. 
We're gonna Thank play. You. Why don't we play? They just ten dollars. They just ten dollars. You got give. Matter of fact, give a twenty dollars because I know you got more. Ten dollars. <laughs> That's so cheap. Yeah, on purpose, man. I gotta pay my rent. Hey. I'm like, y'all come watch the show right quick. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we listen to "Strive to Be"? Sure. All right. Mommy, what does strive mean? Strive means. It sounds like drive. Sounds like drive. Yeah, but strive. Very good. Strive means when you make a great effort to get past something or to get through something. Like when you try really, 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 really hard and you make it happen no matter what. Like my song? How does it go? Strive to be free. I strive to be free. Uh-huh, yeah. So I'm, I'm singing to teach the people like, no matter what happens in your life, keep going. Strive to be free. Just strive to be free. Just see Strive to be Nobody free. Nobody knows about this song but the people you are singing it to. Well, they haven't heard it yet.
said, Jasmine, when it rains, it pours. So I discover the soothing bliss from the mist of the tough winds of my storms and danced in the arms of the waves and the tide. She knew that I, like the morning dew, would always renew. Due to the attraction of the moon, even through the pouring rain that I gathered to wash up my pain and nurtured my seeds that sprouted into plants that grew into trees. Whose branches taught me to reach towards the sun. Whose roots helped me to regroup and ground myself towards the earth's core. Where she silently chooses to store her infinite well. And when I sit down to rain, she pours. To be free from all your Life can make you go insane To be free from your own mind Just reprogram, you'll be fine Seek your freedom your whole life Don't you worry, you can
about it if you agree. Strive to take over the nation. Just strive to be free. You must strive to be free. Know it if you agree. Show it if you agree. Just strive to be free. Strive to be free. Just strive to be free. Strive to be free. Just Yeah, Jazz. That was amazing. I'm striving to be free too. Striving. That was incredible. <laughs> so look, we want we Yeah. <laughs> you know right. one thing I love about you, Jazz, and, and I've noticed this from the first Thank note you. we ever played together, is that you are more than a vocalist. And yeah, playing with you is like playing with an instrument. Oh, you you embody you. that. And, and I think that you even mentioned that in your book and, and a lot of vocalists don't realize that they have that power, but that is definitely your superpower. And so I, I don't think it's that I don't think that a lot. Sometimes we're not taught that we have it. You know what I mean? As vocalists, and especially because a lot of us are women, not to, you know, we're powerful in, in whoever we are. So not to be victim i don't i don't claim that victimizing shit i don't i'm i'm victorious you know what i'm saying i'm not a victim of nothing but but i'm saying that we are we are taught you know to be docile and that we are not we are not it's always a condemnation it's like it's always you know condemning or diminishing so we don't feel like we can we don't feel like we can because we're not taught how to and then when we try to, somebody's like, no, you it's too much. So sit down. You know what I'm saying? So I feel you with that. For me, I was just like, nah. I'm 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 I when I came to New York, I had it in my mind, like, all right, this is a man's game. I'm gonna learn his way. I'm gonna learn how to play the cards the way he wanna play the cards. And when it's my turn and when I'm dealing a hand, I'm gonna play the card how the fuck I wanna play the cards. And that's it. That's how we gonna that's how we're gonna do that. You learn his language and then you play how you wanna play. When it's time for you, you know, it's just like Uno. Every culture plays Ooh. differently. You know what I'm saying? Oh, real talk, real talk. Whoa. Every culture Jazz. plays differently. You know, you I never be here. I'm a couple undefeated. of times. <laughs> like we see, we're not even gonna get on that tonight. See, y'all already. I didn't. Y'all already I know I'm the Uno, Uno I didn't champion think of the multiverse. Than... <laughs> <Yo. laughs> no, you are. You definitely are. Oh, that's funny. Not even gonna hold you gonna hold you. I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not. Can I? Can I, I just want to say, uh, you know, I 
I feel like in listening to that song, you embodied so many qualities of why I think I initially like admired my mentors, loved this music so much, and felt like such a connection on so many levels. Like, like what you just what you that what you created is not fucking bebop or swing jazz or motor. I, I hate it when people talk like that, but you you created like this this transcendent tra- trans transcendent experience that's like connecting the ancestors to the present to the future to like and then and like in using all these musical elements to 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 just create this beautiful godlike thing man it's like just so beautiful jasmine that was crazy amazing thank you so much <laughs> Jazz, before we get out of here, because we're getting close to time, I, I do want to give you an opportunity to pump everything. You're a music mogul, so I pump telling people everything that you're doing and where they can go to to yeah to buy it and all of that stuff. Uh, what do I say? Hi, y'all. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be great if if you if you're not doing anything on Christmas Eve, if you can join me. Um, I have a Christmas Eve concert that's already been pre-recorded. Keith Brown on piano, uh, Eric Wheeler on the bass, Josh Evans on trumpet, and Anwar Marshall on the drum set. We've, we're playing Strive. We're playing this uh, this piece. We're also playing Where We Are. We're playing songs from Love and Liberation. And then we're playing like your favorite Christmas songs ever that you love to hear. So come check it out. You know, slide me some dollars feed my babies and um yeah the book is online artist everything is just go to artistryofjazzhorn.com slash live slash education you know if you want to purchase the book or you want to sign up because another thing that i did during this this pandemic is um start a class you know i i was supposed to start teaching at the new school and that didn't work out and so with the book, I just started a six week course to go along with each chapter. There's six chapters in the book. And each week we focus on a specific chapter. And so far I have about 250 students and I could use more, you know, that would be great. If you could sign up, just go to artistryofjazzhorn.com slash education. And, um, you know, come check me out. Strive from within the Jazz Me a Horn approach. Get it now. There's so much in here, like all of my transcriptions. Oh, it's time for my babies to go to bed. Uh, all of my transcriptions are here. My original compositions. You know, you get to see like how I actually wrote things out. I don't use Sibelius or Finale. I'm very old school. And like in these book, in this book comprises of the charts that I actually wrote with my own handwriting. So it's like very personal. It's not like a you know, it's not like a Jamie Abersold book, you know, or anything like that. These are like my original charts with the original changes in my original handwriting. Wow, that's amazing. So, that's check amazing. me out. Check me out. There you go. So everybody go out there and buy everything uh, with Jasmine's brand you. on it. And Jazz, yo, thank you so much for coming on the Working thank Artist you. Project. Thank both of y'all, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Jasmine, thank you very much. I hope we uh, we get to, to have you back on because I think there's a lot of stuff we, we could cover and I, I would love to continue this sure. conversation with you. And you have so much to Absolutely. share with us. Anytime. Absolutely. Anytime. My name is Darian Douglas. And my name is Gregory Ajid. And uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Thank you, Jasmine. Later. Peace. You're welcome. Peace.